As finance becomes increasingly digital, we are also seeing a whole new age of tactics and strategies that a lot of these digital platforms using to kind of invigorate us, to get us to participate more, to grab our attention a little bit more and get us to keep coming back to these digital apps and platforms, right? So you see this in Shopee, you see this in Grab and you also slowly see them in banking apps, in payment platforms, even some of your brokerages, a lot you are seeing increasingly more and more of these kind of strategy and I find it very problematic. So I'm going to take today's episode to talk a little bit about some of these strategies that are what these tech platforms are using and how can you then uh, live a little bit better and you know work these platforms in a better way suited for the digital age of personal finance. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So good morning, everyone. I welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut. In our podcast, we're debunking financial myths, discovering best financial practices, and discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life, ultimately empowering us to create a life we love while managing our finances well. My name is Reggie, aka your Chief Financial Coconut, and today we are going to spend some time to talk about this digital financial wellness. It does help that more and more of us are having more and more of our money on digital platforms and I am observing some slightly dangerous trends that some of these digital platforms and providers are using. To put it bluntly, they're learning from Shopee, they're learning from Grab, they're learning from some of the biggest apps out there and I want to call them out and I also want to educate us a little bit so that we yeah, practice a little bit better lah, right? as a buyer community, we want to be smarter buyers. But huh, but huh, relax, huh, people, okay? That's not all that's not to say that all these digital platforms are evil out to make your money, trying to squeeze every dollar out of you. And I also don't want my sponsors to cancel last la. <laughs> but the idea here, the idea here is as with any other service provider, as with any other, you know, um, modes of selling, whether is it agency, whether is it direct to consumer, whether is it some of these digital apps. There are some providers that are a little bit crazier in terms of the way they sell and the way they invigorate to you. And some providers that are more ethical and a lot more comfortable in the way they sell, at least to me, right? Because I really don't like to be sold in an emotional way. I don't like it when they do things to try to trigger my emotions, sell some stop story, you know, try to invigorate me so that I can detach myself from our logical mind and just really milk my emotional self, right? So then I can buy things. I, I really hate it when people do that, right? So following that same vein, I start to see more and more of these kind of things with some of these apps. And yeah, I just want to talk a little bit about it so that we become a little bit smarter because yeah, many, many uh, decades of working with agents, I think a lot of people are better at discerning which agent, which service provider to use as a human-to-human kind of thing. But apps are the interesting frontier that I think we can have the expanded discussion. Okay, so of course, I'm assuming 
more and more of us, we use apps, right? Come on, like you're listening to the podcast on your Spotify, on your Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Google, wherever you are listening to, you and your phone, and it's an app, right? And we do all sorts of things with apps, right? We book classes with apps. We eat with apps. Okay, we don't technically eat with apps lah, okay? But we... <laughs> It's gonna eat the app, right? You know, but we order food, you know, with uh, hopefully some food delivery company will sponsor us, give us free voucher or something. I don't know. But yeah, we, we use a lot of things with apps, right? Even uh, VPNs or we, we brokerages and, you know, robo-advisors, marketplaces, everything is apps. Digital payment, your banking app. I'm assuming all of you listening in, use all these apps. Huh? I'm first assuming that you use these things. If these are very foreign ideas, right, I, I'm sorry, I find it very hard to explain apps. <laughs> like, like, what is an app? So I already assume everybody use these things for big and small reasons and big and small purposes. And today we're going to focus on yeah, the big financial apps of payments, digital banking, brokerages, robo-advisory. Um, yeah, I think some of these things are where I'm going for. And why I find it so important that I need to talk about this because like I said, I'm observing some of these financial apps using what a lot of big apps like um, Shopee, like Grab, like, you know, Instagram, you know, a, a lot of these other apps that um, I won't say they are like angels and, you know, they have no incentive. They want to sell. They want you to come back to the app. They want you to, you know, work with the app more. They want you to, you know, like Shopee, you know, or like they want you to, yeah, just keep coming back, get coins, last, scroll down. Do that downward scroll, that downward swipe that is actually a lottery function. If you didn't realize, all the downward swipe, all the social media now, they have this downward swipe function, right? Whether it's it, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, all these downward swipe, it's actually an idea from the lottery machine. It's a downward swipe and you don't know what's happening and you keep coming back thinking like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to, next one I'm going to hit, next one I'm going to hit, next one I'm going to hit, right? So there are some of these functions and features that a lot of apps out there already have that looks very simple and innocent, but actually they are there to drive our attention, drive our emotions and grab us so that we can spend more time and interact more on the app. Whether is it to buy things or to become a bunch of consumers where they then market to, you know, whatever providers that they want to market. So while I'm not saying that these guys are innocent and like, oh, very angelic, huh? Oh, just how to provide a good service. No, I don't think, cons <laughs> I don't think consumers to think like that. You know, um, that, that's what the providers want you to believe, right? So all these companies, they do a lot of branding, marketing, so that you believe that they are like that. But truth is, they, they want to make money, right? That's why they do business. And so that, that's their incentive structure. But that's a different discussion, okay? But just on this idea, a lot of these apps, they are just making you consume, just making you spend more time. While it can have complex repercussion, to me, it is a different level when financial apps use these strategies. Right? They build news feed into their app. Right? They also have the downward scroll function. Right? They push notification you. They push breaking news. Right? They, they try to get all these little, little things that look very innocent. But if you start to observe, eh, a lot of your financial apps are slowly looking like Shopee, you know. Right? <laughs> to me, it's like a bit problematic. Huh? Right? So, so, I think we need to be a bit clearer what's going on and how do we then manage this process. So yeah, I'm not shitting on any app in particular and different functions exist for their own reason. And I love a lot of these apps. They do a lot of wonderful work for me, but I want to make sure we elevate our view, right? So that we can see a little bit clearer what are some of these things that they're doing. So then, you know, we don't fall into the trap of excessive engagement with these apps because, hey, 
when you're excessively engaging with your brokerage app, you're excessively engaging with your digital banking app, you are you know, spending a lot of future money and you know, maybe overly trading excessively, doing some of these things. That doesn't really work for your long-term financial success or your financial health in general. Okay? So I'm going to start by giving you the first point to help you elevate your digital financial wellness is to watch out, uh, watch out for emotionally triggering UI and UX. For all of you that are not in the tech space, you may not know what is UI, UX, but to put it simply, UI is user interface, which is essentially what you see on the app. So that's the user interface, right? So that's what you see. And UX is user experience, right? So it can range from all the way from the in-app experience to you know, even the FAQ, the kind of uh, messaging that they then come back with, you know, let's say you call for some other thing that you want the app to do and then it, it gets you done immediately. Like you, you run a payment, let's say you use a payment app, you want to send money and when you click send, essentially the function is no longer within the app, right? It's somewhere else, right? Money needs to get sent. Immediately it gets sent. So that is like a good user experience. Okay, very fast, very easy, right? It's not really on the interface, but UI UX is kind of seen together as a thing. Essentially, it is uh, when people say it's a good UI and UX, that means right, it is a very well thought through experience and user interface that you can keep using and keep engaging. It's very well done, right? So when you think about that, is that what you really want with your financial apps? The answer is yes, okay? <laughs> the answer is yes. Who doesn't want to use nice interface and nice experiences, right? So everybody wants that. But there's a difference between a nice UI UX, something that's comfortable, nice to use, you know, like your Photoshop app, you know, um, your, I don't know, your Zendesk profile you use, or some, some of us, we use Slack, we use like Frame, you know, um, yeah, it's just, there, there are, there's a difference between some of these apps that are good to use, comfortable to use, and you use it day to day for different functions of your life, an emotionally triggering app that's trying to get you to do something, right? So this is a, a little bit more covert, right? A little bit more covert where some of these apps, they don't just provide you nice user interface. They try to induce you to do something. And how do they do it, right? They induce you by push notification, right? News feed with breaking updates, right? Red bubbles. Red bubbles are, are one of the worst. They look very innocent, right? This bubble, red color down there, ding. But then you click in. And if it's a social media, you know, Instagram, not healthy if you keep doing it, but really it's, it's just you looking at your friend's profile or something. But when it comes to apps that is in personal finance that affects your money, I think we need to be a bit sharper. And like I said, right, these goals, right, the, the goals of these functions and these features in the apps is really to get you to keep coming back. Spend more time on the app, interact more, and to drive you emotionally. So it triggers you emotionally, it drives you. Right, so that you can induce transactions and increase your urgency. Uh, and all these are, well, well, there are technical terms, but you kind of understand what I mean, right? Because if you keep interacting with the app and it keep induces you to do something, you end up trading more, you end up, you know, um, feeling very emotional about something happening and it may push you away from what you really intended to do in your longer-term financial plan. And I also see some of these big apps you know, pushing a lot of push notification, right? Tell you, oh, this new bond is being released. This new product is coming out. And, and when I look at it, I say, eh, a bit quite quietly. Like, <laughs> it's not a, like a Shopee discount or, or something, you know? It's, it's like a bond that you're going to buy or a bond fund is being sold or a, 
a, a new stock is being released, new IPO. And, and it's like, okay, I kind of get it. You know, you are keeping me updated. But uh, is it really helpful? I don't know. But is it triggering me to come in and see and what's going on and takes up a lot of my bandwidth and, you know, kind of potentially pander me out of my goals and my strategy? Yes, it does. All right, so when that happens, I think it's something that we must be a little bit clearer of. Which is why, by extension, the tip that I have for everybody is to turn off your notification. Turn off all notification, especially your financial apps. Your digital bank, your payment company, your brokerages, your robo-advisors, turn them all off. If you want to take this the next step, um, yeah, delete it. Once you are done, let's say you're doing investments, right? You set your robo or you set your brokerages, you buy whatever you need to buy, delete it. And a lot of seasoned investors have come on the show and talk about it. Thomas, Max, a lot of other people, they all say that, oh, once I'm done, I delete it. Set it and forget it. I'm sure you've heard this, right? Investments, set it and forget it. So in other words, to forget it, you delete it. right? But if you find the deleting a bit uncomfortable, which I will question why, at least let us practice turning off notification. I hope that we no longer get bombarded by all these financial companies on the latest products, latest things and you know, we, we don't get emotionally triggered by them. So please turn off the notification. This is my first thing for you to recognize and uh, try to elevate in this digital financial world. Which brings me to point number two, and that is to sell you products that are not best in class. Okay, I will share with you a little bit more after a word from our sponsor. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, so say you use Grab. Okay, I think a lot of people do use Grab. And I, yeah, it's okay to use their name. I mean, they're way bigger than us. If you don't know Grab, then okay, lol, Grab got free sponsor. <laughs> but yes, if you say you use Grab, what do, you, what do we use it for? We use it for right healing at first, right? Just trying to get us from one place to the next place. And then after that, they started having delivery, right? Or oh, deliver products, right? Deliver food and all that. At that point in time, actually Food Panda and Deliveroo were really way ahead, right? So because they were way ahead, they had a lot more a lot more providers, right? A lot more options on their platform. So if you want to buy food, right? Actually, Food Panda is better. There are more things at that point in time. Now, I'm not very sure. I think things have changed. But because you are really locked onto Grab and you trust Grab and Grab give you all this promo, right? That you then end up buying from Grab Food, And then you then end up using Grab Pay. You then end up using the next thing that is within the app that Grab keeps pushing. So this is very, very classic in apps, right? In a lot of these kind of app platforms and digital platforms, which is why their business has a lot of optionality, which I will not talk about today here. If you want to hear more about some of these digital apps and their business optionality, how far they can grow, and is it uh, like an interesting stock to look at, blah, blah, blah. Check out our other show, TFC Stock Geek Out. We did quite a few geek outs on these different platforms. Okay, so just search TFC Stock Geek Out on your favorite platform and your Rakesh and team will see you on the other side. <laughs> Sometimes I'll be there, all right? So if I'm there, uh, like, share, subscribe, okay? Make me the more powerful episode <laughs> so they have no choice but to keep using me. 
But anyway, okay, that's a different, different discussion. Uh, the reality is a lot of these apps, they do that, right? This is the power of the app business. And you are already seeing that in digital banking. You're seeing that in digital payments. You're seeing that in even, even your Grab app trying to do financial products. And to be fair, it is one thing to transact for food and fitness class and marketplace consumer stuff. It is another thing to transact for financial instruments and financial products. So without naming names, okay, let's be clear. There are a lot of uh, platforms that, a lot of these apps that, let's say they give you some free features at first, right? They try to get you on the app. They give you some free features, some sort of financial planning thing, you know, some payments, you know, free usage, blah, blah, blah. They get you on. After that, then they try to push you uh, to buy insurance products or they try to push you to uh, buy unit trust or they try to push you into trading stocks or something like that, which, which, hello, it's not uncommon at this point in time. Everybody knows what I'm saying, right? Just different apps, you know, you may have different apps popping out in your head, but everyone starts like that. They provide you some sort of service that they build trust with you on and it's quite good at first, right? So you go to the app for that particular service. Then because they need to monetize or they want to expand the ticket, they start selling you other products that to them, they are not best in class, okay? They're not best in class. In other words, that means they maybe a bit more expensive than the other provider or they, the products that they give you are very generic off the shelf and everybody is using it that may not fit what you need or, you know, they may be pushing you other things that is, is questionable, okay? So I'm not saying any particular platform is doing that. Okay, don't cancel us, huh? maybe. <laughs> we need to make $8, dollars huh? very stress. Okay, but, but the, the idea here is, is there. When a lot of these apps, they build trust with you, they try to activate you to buy other things. And these other things may not be what they're good at. So I want us to be very clear there's a difference. Okay, don't think of it like just shopping on another app because that's kind of what they want you to do, right? Don't think of it as you're just shopping, you're just buying another thing or you're just using another service from the same provider. But really question, hey, why is this one 0.2% more in terms of management fee? And you may think it's nothing, but it compounds and it becomes a huge thing, right? So 0 0.2, 0 0.2.5, you know, oh, why is this app charging me more for margins? You know, why is the other uh, app charging me a lot more for management fee for this other product? Because to be fair, that's how financial products work. There's a bunch of people that create a product and then other people sell it. When they sell it, they add fees on top of that. Okay, so this is the fundamentals of financial products. And I want us to be very clear that you see this in digital financial products. They are pushing a lot more of these things and do not fall into second-class products just because you are very used to the platform. La. You are very nice. La. You know, you trust them, right? Yes, great. You trust them on this one feature. You may not need to go with them on another thing. Which brings me to point number three, and that is the increasing difficulty to port out of the app. As with many other apps, you know, they try very hard to make it easy for you to participate in the app. Okay, it's, it's very normal, right? They, they want you to be very active in the app. They want you to come into the app. So onboarding is very easy. Whatever they want you to do, if let's say they're a brokerage app, they make it very easy for you to press buy or press sell. You know, uh, the UI is very beautiful. They spend a lot of effort in trying to make your life easiest in the features that they want you to do and they want you to participate in. But they make it very hard to do things that they don't want you to do, right? Like, bring money out or like shutting down the account, you know, or, or doing whatever thing that they don't want you to do to begin with. And, and it's not unique to financial apps. You see that in many other apps, right? So your travel apps, uh, travel apps number one, right? They make it very easy for you to book. Uh, 
But the call, the FAQ, the get to the hotline, was very difficult, right, Mahuan, all the way at the end. Right, Amazon, can you delete your Amazon account? Or you got to go all the way to the end, some fine print at the back. So there's a lot of these kind of things that most of these apps, they use to make it very hard for you. So they make it very emotional for you to, how to delete this thing? How to, how to get out of it? How, to, how do I move my money out? They make it very hard for you to do that so that you give up and you stay on the platform. Right? So these are strategies that apps use and not just financial apps. Okay, to be clear, a lot of apps use this strategy right? to make it very easy for you when they want you to do a particular thing. And the thing that they don't want you to do, they make it very difficult for you. And I see this more and more in some of these financial apps out there today. So that is not to say that you definitely need to delete the app, you need to move out of the app. And if they're, if they're servicing you well, great, good, carry on, right? If you think that the service they provide for you at the, is, is good quality, you know, good experience for a fair rate, okay, nice, great, good on you. But if you want to shift, recognize that there's a reason why it's very emotional when you try to draw money out. So, wow, very mahuan. I need to go to the website. Cannot use the app. Uh, you don't need to log in. Uh, extra security pin. Uh. Yes, sometimes they will say security, which I believe there's some element of that. But recognize, recognize vividly, this is what apps do and they're trying to keep you on the platform. So, if there's a new platform that is better, more quality, more trusted, you know, why, why don't you shift? Partly because it's very mahuan to shift. Partly because they make it very difficult for you to shift out. And by recognizing that this is what they do, I hope you then get the clarity and the energy to kind of plow through this process to be like, okay, okay, this is really not good and I know this is what they're trying to make me do. Let me sit down at a cafe, back up a coffee, or let me sit down at a bar, you know, get into my favorite experience, get in my more comfortable zone, harness all the energy that I can have to move out or to delete or to switch the app or, you know, close my account, pull my money out, depending on what you really want to do. Always recognize that in all apps, if you're doing something that they don't want you to do, they make it very hard for you to do. And that is the same in personal finance in a lot of these kind of financial apps. So recognize that and recognize that it's money, not just like, share, subscribe. Um, and by doing that, by recognizing that, um, harness all the energy that you need to get out of it if, if that is what you really want to do, okay? Okay, so with that, I'm going to sum up today's episode, right? And I'm once again, I want to say that these apps are not, you know, definitely evil. They're not out to hurt you, blah, blah, blah. But as with many other apps, they are using more and more of these kind of functions and features to get you within the app and to keep you within the app and to get you to do things that they want you to do. So they induce a lot of emotions and they do all that, right? So after listening to today and recognizing these are some of the stuff they do, I hope you become more aware and clearer of how to play this uh, digital wellness space, right? Digital financial wellness space, okay? So I'm going to recap. Number one thing that I think you need to recognize is that some of these apps use emotionally triggering UI and UX. So they use push notification, uh, newsfeed with breaking updates, uh, rate bubbles, uh, all this kind of stuff. You know, there is a difference between a nice UI, UX, and uh, emotionally triggering UI UX that's trying to get you to interact more, get you to spend more, get you to do more, get you to transact more. And I think, hey, it's not a shopping platform that we're on. We got to be a little bit more aware, be a little bit more, you know, cognizant that these apps are doing some of these stuff. Okay, and point number two is that some of these features and some of these products that these apps are pushing are not best in class. As with many other apps, they don't always give you the best things. But as a financial app, you want the best things because a 0.2% fee differential or 0.5% uh, 
you know, interest differential is going to compound to be a lot down the road, right? Don't discount this 0 0.2, 0 0.5, 0 0.75, or even 1%. To people, some, I hear some people say 1%, not a lot. 1% is a lot if you compound over time, right? So please recognize that some of these apps are pushing you products that they are not best in class. You go to the app for this reason, but now because you built a trust with that app and it's very convenient for them to push you another feature uh, or another product, you end up taking them on, okay? So don't do that. Recognize that, okay? And number three is that, as with many other apps, a lot of these financial apps are increasingly difficult to port out of. They increase the difficulty, they increase the emotions before you can get out of the app or even pull money out, delete the app, close your account. So they make it very difficult for you and I to do that because that is not in their incentive structure. So with that, I hope you learned something useful today. See ya! I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting with shared, debated, and discussed. Join our community telegram group, follow us on Insta, TikTok, follow our socials, you know, like, share, subscribe. Push us out there. So important, so, so important for all of you listening in. If we want to grow our platform, we want to grow our community, we want to be a strong voice out there you know, in the personal finance space and beyond, we need more reach, right? We need you and I to partner up to get us further. So if you find that this episode is valuable and that a lot of people will benefit, please share it on your socials and share it with the people that you care and you love. Okay, with that, I hope you learned something useful today. I will see you next week. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Okay, coconuts, I hope you learned some interesting digital wellness uh, insights, especially in the finance space, financial digital wellness. Uh, I wanted to do something else next week, actually, but okay, that, that that will take a yeah, that that will, that will take a back seat, right? Because recently there is uh, quite a lot of turmoil in the financial markets. Volatility are pretty crazy, and uh, we, in time of recording, which is about a month before the release, <laughs> I usually don't let you know what is the time I record, right? But you can tell if I'm talking about something very current, then it's recorded in a more current situation. But yeah, in the time of recording of uh, tomorrow's episode, or next week's episode that was about one month earlier. And yeah, it's, it's time when there's a lot of recession going on, right? So at least in the financial market, you see recession, right? In the real economy, it's, it's booming, it's exciting, things are opening up. Hey, participate in the real economy, okay? Don't, don't just wallow in the, the financial economy. But yeah, as a personal finance podcast that does investing, finance, business, <laughs> I know a lot of you are looking at me and say like, hey, why you not, don't talk about how to capitalize on this uh, economic downturn or at least this financial recession. Okay, financial recession. So yeah, that will be for next week. Okay, don't be surprised that some of the things that I've said, I've said it again and again because yeah, just being consistent here. But I have some interesting alternatives that I'm exploring. So I will see you next week.